Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Christian Reef Podcast. If you enjoy the show, please consider leaving a review on Podchaser, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to the show. It really, really helps us out in terms of pushing the show and giving it a fighting chance of just reaching the people and hopefully growing the show further and further. So if you'd like to help us out, those are the ways to do it. In addition, you can also subscribe to us on patreon.com slash christianreeve and support my efforts in terms of bringing this show to you. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. I love how like some of them are like really, really simple differences as well. Like, isn't it Seventh Day Adventists? Like, don't they believe that like it's the holy day is actually a Saturday and not a Sunday or something? Um, yeah. But like fundamentally everything else in the religion is pretty much the same apart from that one thing. <laughs> <laughs> also i think have some very strange beliefs about the end of days and the right uh, like this is this is another thing that i could talk about for a long time <laughs> so um a lot of denominations of christianity um believe that the book of revelations is either metaphorical or it's a prophecy but it's already come true um there are some denominations of Christianity, especially ones that are like either Seventh Day Adventist or uh, biblical literalist, like Christian fundamentalist in America, uh, like Baptist, especially um, certain denominations of Baptists in America believe that the Book of Revelations is a word for word literal prophecy of things that are going to come true so they believe that literally all of the christians are going to be like are going to vanish from the world and be taken up into heaven and that there's going to be seven years of tribulations um against the people who are stuck down on earth and that like all the stuff with the mark of the beast all of that kind of thing but then there's also different branches of fundamentalism that believe that the rapture is going to happen part of the way through the tribulation and not at the beginning of the tribulation. And these groups of Christians who believe almost exactly the same thing as each other, except for like when in the um when in the end of days timeline the rapture is going to occur they will fight with each other and they will fight with each other and they will fight with each other but this essentially raises the stakes and says oh well there's a deadline by which you need to get everybody saved because it's coming and it's coming soon and they will point to like like predicting the rapture and predicting the end of days has become kind of like a cottage industry in fundamentalism in the united states so they will point to things like oh there's a war in the middle east or they will point to things like oh there is a you know a, a pandemic or there's earthquakes in diverse places is one of the things that they say is going to happen and they will say oh no there was a big earthquake at the same time as there's like a war going on in the middle east and now this means that the end of days is coming and we need to all get ready and they will out about that they think it's weird though that like 
this happens again. I mean, it's a meme at this point. Like it happens again and again and again. And like they'll they'll be like, right, this is officially the end of days. This specific date, and the date comes, and nothing happens, and we move on. And it's like that. There's been at least like fifty of those events, probably more uh, over the last like twenty odd years, right? And they just keep believing in it. And I'm thinking like, but if if you've been told like, you know, this is definitely the case. There's, there's no shadow of doubt, and then it doesn't happen. Like, why do you keep believing in that? So here's the thing is that it says in the Bible that no man can predict when it's going to happen. So if right. somebody predicts that this is when the rapture, this is when the end of days is going to start, then that's the one day where if you're a Christian, then you know for sure it isn't going to be on that day. Because it says that no man can predict it. So what Sadie was telling me is that she would, she and her friends would all get up in the morning and when they went to the bathroom, they would look in the mirror and say, the rapture is coming today. So that they would predict the rapture on that day just to themselves so that they would know for sure that it wouldn't happen on that day. Because if no man can predict it and one of them predicts it, then that means that it can't happen on that day. This is like an actual thing that people would do. Let's explore this a little bit more because we've we've touched on it here and there. I'd like to kind of delve into it. So I mentioned at the beginning of the show that you host this podcast, Leaving Eden Podcast. You host it with Sadie Carpenter, who, as you mentioned, had escaped this Christian fundamentalist cult. Um, before we sort of get into some of the specifics about it, one thing I wanted to ask you, which I thought was interesting, is obviously you said that you guys came together during the pandemic and decided to do this, but did you approach her or did she approach you? Like, talk about the setup of the show. Okay, so before we started, to, she and I both had a job where we worked in like the office like of a car dealerships like service department like i had a job in the back where i just did paperwork all day and she had a job where her job was like calling the customers and telling them to come in and get their services done or whatever um i mean like oh it's been six months come and get your oil changed or whatever um and so our where we worked was like right next to each other and we were both fans of like i had a messenger bag that has the name of a ba- of the Canadian prog rock band Rush on it and like had their logo on it and she was like oh you like Rush I like Rush and so we became a uh, like friends that way and we were both interested in music we were both like interested in religion just from like cuz you know she was raised like she wasn't I was interested in it also from like a like I was I grew up Jewish but like my religious education wasn't really that strong so mm. I grew up like and i it's but it's always kind of been like a topic of interest to me and so i've done a lot of like reading about it and a lot of research about it um and so she and i would just get to like talking about stuff and we became friends and we started like you know recording music together and you know just working on music oh, cool. projects and you know we just go to my house and and you know she would always talk about like oh man i'd love to like do a book or i'd love to like do a podcast or something about um you know about my upbringing or whatever and it it was always just kind of like a topic of conversation and then the pandemic hit and we were both just like we're bored let's do a podcast about this and that's kind of just and then three years like and we were collecting we didn't have to worry about making money from it for the first like year and a half because we were both getting 
like the unemployment check from the government that they were giving out in like early pandemic. Like I remember that, yeah. They were giving out the, the they gave they were giving out like the twelve hundred dollars a month check plus I think I was getting close to like nine hundred dollars a week in unemployment money. Bad. Um yeah, because they they passed the bill that was like the six hundred dollars a week plus whatever I was getting from the state, which was like three hundred and fifty, and I was getting like more money being on unemployment than I had been getting at the actual job that I had been working for like a year and a half, two years, and we were just kind of like hanging out and chilling, and and we're like we can just do a podcast, and we just did a podcast, and so we didn't actually start making money off of it really until like a year and a half two years after that point at which like you know it got to the point where i'm like okay this is my main source of income and that's you know and that's kind of how it happened is that we just kind of started getting to talking and she decided well you're my friend and you're good at you know you have the confidence to be a podcast host and you think that you could be good like that's kind of a lot of what being a podcast host is is that you just have to kind of be confident and also the other thing, the thing that I had to learn was to know when to shut up. Um, <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> technical uh, like equipment. And like, I had the editing skills to like do the production and stuff. And so we did that. Um, but there's really not much more than that to it. Well, let's talk about the structure because that's something I've, I've been doing my show for close to four years. And I think within the first year, I figured out, right, this is the structure. This is essentially what the show is. It goes through phases. It changes. I'm sure your show, and by the sounds of things, your show has already kind of gone through those phases already. Like where when you first started, obviously, name of the game is we're going to explore Sadie's story. But like, how do you approach that? Like, where do you begin? Do you just ask certain questions or like talk us through the structure of like how you explored her story? So I think when we started out, we made a list of like, and this is something that like when people ask me, oh man, how do I start my own podcast? Because they see, oh, well, you've got a show that actually has a decent following. How do I get to there? Um, Because people want to have podcasts now, which is cool. People want to tell their stories. Um, I mean, people will say, I want to start a podcast. What should I do? The Mm. first thing that I'll tell somebody to do is I'll say, make a list of like 50 episodes that you could do make just like a a list of like 50 topics that you want to talk about on your show. And if you can do that, then that's like a year's worth of content that you can make and that you can talk about. Think about like a list of 50 things that you can talk about for an hour or talk about for two hours. Um, And that can be the way that you go forward. So like she was raised in this group for like 20 years. Wow. Okay. Like from when she grew up to the time when she was like 20, 19, 20 years old. Um, And that's when she started to get out and she's the same age I am now. So she was in for about twice as long as she's been out. And so we found a list of like, you know, I think the initial list that we made was like a hundred topics long, but it would have things like, we're going to talk about dress code. We're going to talk about this specific pastor that committed this specific crime. And we're going to tell this story, like in a true crime format. Okay. No, we're going to do this episode, which is going to be more of like a documentary episode about this theological concept. And 
it was more just like let's give ourselves a wide scope of things that we can talk about we can talk about other cults as well we can talk about um like i think when we originally started we also had a plan that we were going to like have her review like cult make like cult survivor reacts to Mm. thing that she didn't and like in the first i want to say year of the show we sort of figured out okay well when we do that it's maybe not as popular and it doesn't work as well and it's kind of more difficult um what do you think that is just because i think that the cult survivor reacts to is a format that works better if you're trying to make youtube videos rather than if you're doing an audio only podcast documentary um because like i i think in one of the early ones i was like you haven't seen shrek i'm gonna have you watch shrek and then we can talk about that and that's cool and um and we did that but also you can't like if you're doing an audio only content format then you can't like pull clips of a movie and be like yeah oh like and and do it that way and so i think that we were just kind of exploring a bunch of stuff at the beginning but where we really found our footing i want to say is we made this five part series called the first family of fundamentalism that um chronicled the ministry at this one church called first baptist church of hammond which was a church in hammond indiana um or it is a church in hammond indiana and the scandals and the abuse that went on there surrounding the the pastor jack hiles who was essentially the most i think the most influential one of the most influential fundamentalist pastors of the 20th century in the united states and that was the ministry that she was raised sort of in and around and in various what i would call satellite churches of that main church around the country um and the scandal that ended up bringing down jack hyle's successor um who was a man named jack scop who was arrested in 2012 because for uh a violation of the man act which is for sex trafficking because he had he sexually abused a 16 year old girl and brought her across state lines to do it and so while the girl was i think above the age of consent in the state of indiana the fact that he brought a minor across somebody who was under the age of 18 across state lines for sexual purposes made him in violation of sex trafficking laws so Mm -hmm. he ended up going to prison for i want to say nine years nine ten years that scandal was one of the main things that helped catalyze sadie getting out of fundamentalism because at the same time as jack scop was very publicly going through this trial and going through this um legal battle jack scop's son who was the who who was one of the people who was in charge of the bible college that sadie was attending at the time was coming down really hard on sadie for this infraction of getting a side hug from her boyfriend at the time because physical contact between 
men and women is something that's absolutely not allowed because of their purity laws uh, or their pur- purity rules with with like purity culture that you have to protect your sexual purity to the point where you can't even have physical contact with a man. It's wild, and isn't it? She, like she was getting, you know, the book thrown at her and like being threatened with expulsion because when she was going through a really hard time emotionally, her boyfriend gave her like a side hug. Right. Yeah. Saw them and reported them. And she was getting all of this, uh, you know, disciplinary action done against her at the same time as this guy who was, you know, in charge of the disciplinary committee, his dad was, in legal trouble for sex trafficking for like a literal felony for sexual abuse and he was asking people all around the country who were supporters of this ministry to write letters to the judge asking for leniency in this case that's wild yeah it is wild i mean if you want to see something crazy the guy that got arrested his name is jack scop um if you google jack scop polished shaft Oh my God! What? Um, yeah. So there's this sermon where he, uh, and, and th- this is a sermon that Sadie was in the room for, uh, by the way, at First Baptist Church of Hammond. Her and like you know ten, fifteen thousand other people were in the room for this. How old would she have been at the time when this is the sermon's being given? Sixteen. So, um, he, a child, child, yeah. literally a child. Yeah. I mean, and also like the way that they raise you in fundamentalism in mm-hmm. this. You don't know literally what sex is until like three months before you're married. You get engaged and then they give you a book that explains how sex works. And so she's watching this guy who's this pastor who is like loved and adored by the whole community up there on the at the pulpit. And he's got this like arrow shaft and he's talking about how God will take and like a stick and polish it and polish it and polish it and turn it into an arrow so that it can be, you know, uh, whatever, you know, weapon in the culture war that he wants you to be a good Christian soldier or whatever. This is like the, the Christian soldier stuff. That's like basic fundamental. Would he, stuff. would he use terminology like that as well? Christian soldier. Would he say things like that? Absolutely. That's like, I mean, that's like Christian nationalism one oh one though. So like what he would do is when he was doing this sermon, he was making like, he would have like this arrow shaft and he looked like he was stroking it. Like if, like if you go and look up this video right now, Jack Scop, S C H A A P polished shaft. Um, and you watch this video and you listen to him. He's like going, Oh, 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 like that. And I'm not even exaggerating a tiny bit. Um, and he looks like he's stroking it. Yeah, and I gotta, I, she was in the room for this. So this what did she? What did you? Room. What did she think of that? Like, obviously, she must have had a lot of different thoughts about this. Like, what was her perception of that? She was sixteen years old, but she didn't really know what sex was. But she knew that something was weird, and that everybody around her was uncomfortable, and she was uncomfortable, and she didn't know why. As in, like the adults in the room were deeply uncomfortable. Uh, but like that's kind of one of the things that they do with that cults will do is they will use a tactic of humiliation and mm. they will make you, you know, sit through really uncomfortable experiences to kind of demonstrate their power over you. 
Are um, you looking up stuff right now? No, no, no. I'm just there's so many things that are coming to my mind now, right now. I just I knew I knew that this would be one of those topics in general where you I mean it's but like this was a church that there must have been fifteen thousand people. <laughs> In See, the audience the, for that one. The, the, and the crazy thing about it as well like, is, is like, it's one thing if you've got like young people who have been indoctrinated into something like this and they don't know what you're talking about, but there's going to be people in there that would have joined maybe for a few years, maybe, you know, all right, maybe they've been in it a long time, but, you know, they know what's up, they know what's going on. And they probably, I imagine many of them would have been like, I, I need to get away from this. I need to take my kids away from this. What is this? What is this guy trying to promote? I mean, Jack Scott was a rock star, essentially. Like with within this branch of fundamentalism, if you're one of these big name pastors, you're a rock star, and you have a big following because God is blessing you. Think about what I said earlier with the the pastors who have like the small flock; they're struggling to get by. They're struggling to feed their family. Um, a lot of them, you know, they may rely on something like a food bank to feed their family. Or, you know, if there's somebody who's working for them, if there's people who are working in their ministry, then they may say, you know, I'm going to pay the ministry people before I pay myself because that's the Christian thing to do. I mean, a lot of these people, um, a lot of these, you know, very devout Christians in America, if you're not abusive, if you're not a person who is willing to, you know, be, to, to berate your congregants and berate your your flock in order to giving you more money you're going to be less successful and you're going to run into more trouble and so if you're not willing to do that to people it's a system that very much the it success is often tied with how willing to be abusive you are to other people and so the people who make it to the top are usually the ones who are just the most ruthless and the most like cruel i mean i could talk about the Jack Scott's father-in-law and predecessor, Jack Hiles, who was, you know, one of the most legendary men in Christian fundamentalism in America. Um, he would do all of these totally insane stunts to try and draw people to the church. Like one of the things that they would do is uh, when he was, you know, trying to make a, uh, a like a, a reenactment of like the feeding of the flock. Or, or or the feeding of the five thousand. Um, he got a bunch of McDonald's fillet of fish sandwiches and went up in a helicopter and threw fillet of fish sandwiches out of the helicopter. Fuck! All of the people <laughs> below, like all of the church people, and this is like a church thing. This is like back. I want to say in like the seventies or the eighties. He did this, and people were just like, "This is great. This is like, it, like church in some ways." becomes like i mean it's the same sort of thing where we're hillsong with the christian music they'll be like okay you can go to church but it's like a rock concert it's almost like you can go to church but it's like a circus that's what i mean like i think the craziest thing i think about it is like how people don't just kind of go well this is weird this is bizarre this is not right and but then again goes back to what we were saying before if you're indoctrinated if you're like so reliant on this and it's all you know then i suppose you're maybe you won't think it's weird maybe you'll think it's fantastic part of like entertaining even like but i don't know like it's it's just it's just it kind of reminds me of that film um i don't know if you've seen it uh it's um it's a horror movie a thriller horror movie from a few years back uh midsummer i think it was called 
I've heard of that one. I haven't seen it. So basically, Cliff Notes, it's supposed to be, I think, about a group of like Swedish cultists. It's kind of a religious culty type deal. And there's a few Americans who have been encouraged by their friend to go and and join in the, these traditions. And of course, throughout the course of the movie, it becomes quite clear that it's a very um, sadistic, uh, like death cult, essentially, um, where they sacrifice people. And there's just like little things here and there that like are really off in the lead up to the big things. And it's funny how like sometimes people will call it out, be like, oh, that's weird. The, 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 I'll reveal a spoiler here. There's a thing where there's a sacrifice where people literally jump off a mountain and completely you know, kill themselves. And immediately they're like what the hell is wrong with you people like how can you allow this to happen and they try to explain it away by saying well this is a very sacred tradition for our people this is you know this that and the other and like no one in the actual flock feels negatively about it at all they're all like no this is the way of things but these outsiders are looking at it like oh my god this is awful what's happening and i think what's interesting about these cults is because you don't have that level of thinking there as you said, like all the outside stuff is is ke- deliberately kept out. It's almost like there's no way or even possibility of doubt coming into play. Yeah, or if you have doubts, then you're told that's from the devil. Right. And it's like, but it's normal. It's a very normal human thought process to have doubts. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. I mean, a lot of that comes from self-preservation from protecting oneself like you know what i mean like innate programming within you just as a human being to protect yourself from danger well so think about it this way is that if you have um if if you are how how they phrase it is if you believe in jesus if you truly accept jesus's sacrifice and you get saved and you say, I want Jesus, please take me to heaven. Like everybody has doubts, just like how they say everybody has sins. But if Jesus takes away your sins, then he would take away your doubts in him as well. Therefore, if you have doubts, then that means that you might not actually be saved, that Jesus's sacrifice might not have worked on you. And if you died right now, you might not go to heaven. It's just fear tactics, isn't it? Just yeah. like we were saying before, just just grabbing people by like, oh, if you don't do this, this could happen. And then the people are like, oh, no, I don't want that. And then of course they're they're pushed into that behavior from a place of fear. Huh? Terrible. It's, it's very. It's. I mean, that's kind of how it is. Is like I'm, and there are people like if if you have listeners who were raised as this sort of hardcore christian fundamentalist even people who are raised from like the youngest of young ages to accept jesus and say i want to go to heaven and they get saved they get baptized they will you know take you to like christian summer camp Mm. and they will say something like if you you know maybe you go out soul winning every day and you're a perfect Christian and you follow all of the rules, but you have a CD of rock music that you listen to in your car and you don't tell anybody about that's a secret sin. And if you have a secret sin, then you might not have actually been saved. You might not have been 
you know, because if you had truly accepted Jesus's sacrifice into your life, then Jesus wouldn't just take away your sins. He would also take away your desire to commit sins. And if you still have a desire to commit sins, then that means that you're not really saved. It just, it just sounds like so, like such a mind fuck. Like just constantly, you got to constantly worry about like, is this behavior sinful? Is this behavior sinful? Is this behavior sin-? Like, how do you just live a normal life? And do you know what I'm saying? Like, just like you're just everyday life. You got to be living in this constant. I would imagine. I mean, okay, let's 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 ask about Sadie's experience. Did she kind of feel like constantly on edge, like an- anxious, like she's constantly treading on eggshells? Like everybody who comes out of this describes you know describes to me just this constant feeling of like of, of like perpetual anxiety and just over analyzing every single behavior that they have it's it's truly horrible like i can't imagine living in that existence i just want to go back to what was the catalyst for sadie leaving that cult so she sees this sermon so is that when she left? No, actually, no. You said there was about four years afterwards. So what was the what trial happened? was on? So what she's... happened was um, in, uh, I want to say, the summer of 2012, Jack Scop, um, he was having, uh, he, he was sexually abusing a 16-year-old who was a student at the Christian high school that was associated with the church that he was pastoring. And this was discovered and the church to their credit in this case, I mean, cause churches a lot of times will, you know, cover up abuse and send a pastor to a different church or like mm. they'll, or, or they'll, they'll try to hide it to their credit. They discovered it and they got the police involved and the police came and they arrested this guy. Um, That's good. At the at the time, and this was the summer between her freshman and her sophomore year at college, and she was attending the Bible college that was also associated with this church. So she was going to a, a school called Hiles Anderson College. Um, the Bible college was associated with the First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana, and this was a scandal that just rocked the entire world and that there were so many feelings of anger, so many feelings of, you know, sadness because the pastor that did it, they truly believed that this guy was the pastor who was going to save America. Like it's deep to the core of their beings that they believe that this path, that, you know, this fundamentalist movement is coming to save America from itself. And by saving America from itself, they will then save the world. And seeing him go down like this was just a shock. And so there's senses of like sadness and there's anger. She decided to go back to the Bible college for her sophomore year. Um, because wow. essentially she like everybody was dealing with so much you know, emotion. She's just like, I just want my life to go back to normal. And so she chose to go back to this Bible college for her sophomore year, because that's what, you know, she expected to happen in her life. And then her sophomore year, um, I think somebody started just like a weird rumor about her 
doing sex things or another when she didn't even know what sex was at that point, hardly. Um, and that was difficult for her because people were being mean to her based on that. And, you know, when the administration at this school who are, is basically run by church busybodies, um, you know, was like calling her into question about it. She was like crying and she didn't know what anyone was talking about, but they were still treating her terribly because of it. Um, for something that she, you know, that she didn't have anything to do with uh, just some random rumor that somebody started. And so at that point, the stress of that was so difficult on her that maybe, you know, she was faltering in her studies. Um, and, and I don't want to, not in her studies in just like her responsibilities that she had to do. And she was going like, you know, there's de definitely like a tiered hierarchy of like, how popular you are with the administration and they keep track of these things. And so maybe her social credit was coming down a little bit. And then somebody who was in a similar boat as she was tried to rescue his own social credit by ratting her and her boyfriend out because her boyfriend like gave her a side hug when she was trying to deal with all the stress of the things that she was going through. Um, oh, also at this time, there was another student who was, uh, making threats of sexual violence against her that the, do anything about. yeah they don't care about that stuff because what they they believe that um women are responsible for men's thoughts uh yeah so basically you have to cover up your entire body because if a man sees you and thinks a sexual thought about you then that's your fault um and yeah, because men are uncontrollable animals, but they're also, you know, supposed to be the leaders of everything. Anyway, uh, they then uh, somebody ratted her out for this side hug, and she was basically disciplined. Like, and at this time, she started when she was going through this disciplinary process, and she was seeing like the two faced side of what was going on you know she would maybe go outside of the campus and start reading things on the internet about what was actually going on and when she did that you know she started finding articles about the scandals that had happened with the church in generations prior that had been covered up and that had been like explained away as like the devil or people attacking the church um and that's when she started the deconstruction journey but it and that was like 10 years ago so almost 11 years ago at this point, like what, it, it, it takes a long time for people to get through this. I was going to say that. Like, why would you say she, she's at mentally now? So sort of 10 years removed, like in, in that journey. I mean, there's like, I mean, deconstruction is a lifelong journey and there's part of it that never really goes away. And, you know, she's got a lot of things that in her life, you know, just as like a person who has a job and she has a husband and she has a kid oh, good. and you know, things are, I think going mostly okay for her, but there are some things, you know, that she deals with as a result of, you know, I mean, like people who get out of fundamentalism, a lot of them, yeah, it is a lifelong journey of, you know, trying to deal with your religious trauma that you dealt with for years and years and years and years and years. And a lot of the listeners to our show are in the same boat as her in that they got out of fundamentalism and they still have a lot of religious trauma relating to that and you know we have a facebook group with i think probably about 3500 people in it at this point and a lot of our listeners have the same sort of experiences that she did some of them got out and some of them were you know also victims of terrible abuse 
but you know and then they escaped and they've been dealing with that for years and years and years and years and years so you sort of create it off the back of um sadie's experiences and her sharing that with you and creating this show and exploring other cults etc you've also created a community of people that are essentially kind of like helping each other out and and get through it sort of thing yeah i mean we have people in like almost every single time zone in the world which is pretty great i went and i looked at our our listener data and we have listeners in I want to say like 160 countries, something like that. Something crazy like that. I don't think anyone's listening to us in like North Korea, but like. It's incredible, isn't it? Like I I have the same thing with my community. Shout out to my community. Love you all. Um, You know, when I started doing, because basically I do acting and voice acting and podcasting, online stuff, et cetera. I've been chasing it for years. And, you know, with things like the podcast and and live streaming, like I just started that because I always wanted to do that. And, you know, one thing leads to another, you, you know, the, the snowball keeps rolling, so to speak, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I never kind of in my wildest dreams imagined that I would have like a little community of people who not only are there, you know, kind of as part of that and enjoying the content and being part of that, but like they, become friends with each other they support each other they are nice and and pleasant to each other and that's beautiful to see and you know some of them unfortunately have have gone through terrible things or are still dealing with like pretty difficult things and it's amazing that there's like a positive space for them to be that in many ways I kind of created by accident if yeah if I'm honest like a lot of it came from like you know oh hey wouldn't it be cool if we had this and then that was what my discord became and stuff like that and um i don't know I, th- I think it's always kind of positive that people can have places spaces that they feel safe where they can share their experiences and kind of help each other get through these particularly when it's something like having been in a cult or or a, a religious organization that that wasn't in their best interests and now they're able to work through it with other people who are like-minded and and know what that feels like because often when you, I think when you go through something difficult like that, the only person that's ever really fully going to understand you is someone who has the same, if not similar experiences to you. Yeah. And that's been interesting for me because I wasn't raised in anything like that. I'm almost, I'm sort of an outsider, but you know, I've talked to enough people. I, I don't want to say that I get it, but like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I've, I've heard these stories enough times that I, you know, that I feel like I can, kind of understand um which is pretty cool for me you know i mean you always want to go and you always want to like learn to understand more and different kind of people um and getting that opportunity is something that really does feel kind of special to me so that's really cool it's amazing stuff you should be very proud of yourselves honestly i mean like we had um what's crazy is every time something new like some new documentary or some new docu-series or or like something comes out about Christian fundamentalism in America. Like it's always like whenever you see the people that are like doing that or that are leading the charge, you're like, Oh, Hey, I know that guy. Like um, there was a documentary that came out earlier this year called shiny happy people um, on Amazon. That was uh, 
about the IBLP, the Institute for Basic Life Principles, which is one of the cults that we talked about earlier, and um, the the Duggar family, which was this TLC reality show family that had you know a show about how they had nineteen kids. Um, that they had this documentary about like how messed up this whole thing is. And then when we turn on the documentary, who do we see? I see my friend, Chad Harris, who's like, yeah. Who's like a guy that I know from doing this, like deconstruction kind of content. I see people that I know, like my friend, uh, we have a friend named Heather who also, you know, who, who does stuff on TikTok. Um, about deconstruction and then she's in the documentary and you see people that you know and you're just like hey i know that like it's it is a whole community of people and it feels really cool to kind of see that and to kind of be like i wasn't raised in this but also to get to kind of be a part of it i presume that you spoke to them about their experiences after the docs yeah we had um we did an episode um like chad uh and Chad was in the documentary. He was, he's one of the, you you can find him on, I want to say tick. I I think he's arch radish 85. If you look at him up on TikTok and Instagram, it's arch radish 85. Um, He talks about his experiences growing up in the IBLP and he's pretty popular uh, with people who consume that kind of content. Um, After it came out, he came on our show and we had a whole big conversation about what he went through um and maybe some behind the scenes for the documentary same thing with the one that came out a couple weeks ago uh which was let us pray a ministry of scandals which was on investigation discovery and hbo max if you're in america you should check that out um rachel peach was one of the women who was featured in that she was actually at the same bible college at the same time as sadie was there oh Uh, and we had uh, another guy on there. His name is Eric Skwarzynski, who has this podcast called the Preacher Boys Podcast, where he talks about his whole thing is he gets people who are survivors of religious abuse and gets them on his podcast. He also branches out and he talks about the troubled teen industry, which is this whole thing. I don't know if you guys have that over there, but if you you there's like this whole like reform schools kind of thing where they'll basically take children and put them in prison camps if they're misbehaving. Um, Yeah, it's horrible. Uh, But he had Paris Hilton on his show because apparently she was sent to a place like that. Really? That's interesting. It's, I mean, it's totally, you never know who you're going to get in contact with and you never know who you're going to talk to when you do this stuff. Um, that's I mean, he's another person that I should shout out because he does a great job of platforming survivors and platforming, uh, you know, people who have really uh, uh, who are speaking out about their abuse. And he provides a great platform for them to do that. OK, I've got a question for you, and this is interesting. Yeah. Can cults ever be a good thing? Can cults ever be a good thing? I would say no, because the idea of a cult is that is inherently coercive like if you can have all of the rules of a religion if you want you know that might say you dress a certain way you eat a certain way uh you worship in a certain way but if there's no and if there's no like coercion into you need to follow this or else 
X thing will happen to you, be that a spiritual consequence or be that a actual physical consequence, then that's not that, that, you know, they're like, that's a free choice. Like you could decide to convert to a religion that has you dress a certain way, eat a certain way. And if you're doing that because it makes you happy and because you like it, then that's fine. If there's no cults are inherently coercive. If there's no coercion, then it's not a cult. If there's no like cruelty associated with it, then it's not a cult. If there's no like, you know, brainwashing and mind numbing associated with it, then it's not a cult. Um one thing I, I mentioned earlier, which we we spoke a bit about law and stuff like that, and but one thing I want to kind of focus on take like the twin flames thing as an example right sometimes you get instances like the nixium cult where it got closed down and everything and that's great but then actual crimes were committed there that they could trace that they could track and from, from my understanding that on a small low level that's still there's still some operation in in that cult that still exists to this day but with the uh, twin flames situation that's allowed to continue there's many other cults thousands tens of thousands out there that exist right now that are operating right now and they've been exposed they've been written about they've had the entire documentaries made about them and nothing changes you know like i went to check on the um the two heads of that twin flames cult and you know they're still operating they're still posting online i mean it's, i find it interesting that you can't that they don't have their comments enabled on their instagram i kind of feel like that's by design because of what's coming out but I guess my question to you is why do you think that these cults are still able to continue despite all this bad press that they're receiving? Because bad press doesn't actually, I mean, it might hurt their bottom line, but it doesn't actually get people to get out of them. Like, you, I mean, you, that's the sort of thing where it's, it's almost like cancel culture in that right. you can say, Oh, this person is canceled now. Oh, they're, like say there's like a i mean louis ck even after he did all of that sexual misconduct he's still booking big comedy gigs and people are still paying him money to do comedy like people you know it's if if people don't care then there's nothing that can be done about it like on some obviously with like the nixium they were doing actual crimes right or doing that you know they they were doing sex trafficking or like if you look at like waco and the branch davidians they were doing actual crimes there they were uh violating firearms laws and they were sexually abusing children but in the united states it says you know if you have a religious belief you are entitled to that religious belief as long as that belief doesn't spiral into like as long as you aren't actually doing crimes you can't punish somebody for having a belief you can't punish people for saying for for having a religious doctrine that is harmful unless that doctrine is a threat of evil conduct or you know or unlawful conduct and it is like an immediate threat so they, like whether or not you think that oh this cult is evil this cult is coercive they're still protected by law how can we distinguish a cult 
from a religious group since they have kind of similar similarities and shared traits you've spoken quite heavily on christian fundamentalism and stuff like that and i feel like we've we've kind of outlined a lot of it but like if it was broken down to say like five or ten like simple traits what would the key distinguishing factors be i'm sure i have to go back to the bite model okay the Stephen Hassan, go to freedomofmind.com and he has it all laid out there in that you can, if it, it isn't distinguished by it does X, Y, Z thing, it's distinguished by how much of a level of control you allow it to have over your life and how coercive is that control. It's not, does it tell you to, um, to eat a certain way or to dress a certain way or to, uh, go to services in a certain way or to, you know, read this book and pray a certain number of times or whatever it 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 isn't distinguished by that it's distinguished by what level of coercive control it has over your life which is why i think it's good that he you know has that wide description where it is about the actual coercion itself it isn't about the aesthetics of the thing thank you um one, I, I don't know that this is true, but I, I, so massive thank you to Vilma for sending in your questions. Um, as always, really appreciate you. Um, one of the questions she sent in, which I found this interesting, she said, why isn't the term cult used anymore? And why is the term new religious movement preferred instead? Now, I'll unpack this a little bit. What I got from this is that maybe it's not so much that like it's not being used anymore. It's more that it's kind of, they're trying to desperately move away from that term because obviously cult is a negative has negative connotations obviously and as you sort of outlined there that i don't think there really is a, a positive cult a good cult really um but supposedly in many cases certain organizations are trying to use new religious movement instead have you heard this can you speak to this I think that I don't think that any cult would describe themselves as a cult. No, <laughs> 100%. And it's negative. So like, and I I mean, like the, the new religious movement kind of thing there, there is so much like cult crossover between the like new age spirituality. Right. There, like there is very much that I have seen like a, a crunchy to fundy pipeline. Like people get into like crunchy, like, healing crystals and that kind of thing and like the spirituality kind of like an astrology and then there's a pipeline that like because they're seeking bigger things and maybe they start following one of these influencers or something and it can take them in a spiritual direction that can take them into a very coercive branch of of christianity and that is a, a pipeline that very much actually does exist i mean i can tell you that there are people who like I'm from Oregon, which um, I don't know how familiar you are with the United States geography. It's over in the on the West Coast in the Northwest of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of the region that's got a reputation for having a lot of like old hippies that live there. Um, and it's got kind of that culture in that people are really into like just the whole like new age spirituality, the whole crunchy thing. Um, the whole like really granola thing. And so like when I was watching the twin flames documentary and I was seeing, you know, like I know people 
who I went to either high school or college with who changed their name to some Indian, like white people that changed their name to some Indian shit and started trying to be spiritual influencers. Um, I hate it so much. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like, it's I like, went to Thailand once and now, you know, I, I'm just the king of spiritualism. Yeah, <laughs> they like visited a Buddhist monastery for like, it's <laughs> like, oh, wow, I learned about this thing. And then they like, went into a wikipedia portal and then like followed a bunch of influencers and stuff like that and they go to burning man every year and <laughs> yeah spiritual i'm like no, you like to party buddy yeah. you like to do drugs and the desert and party and it's like a spiritual thing um like watching when, as soon as that dude showed up on screen and i'm like oh i know this guy like i've never met him but like i know this guy and there is a certain level of narcissism where if you believe that you are a spiritually enlightened person it takes a certain level of narcissism to kind of believe that and narcissistic people are people who are most likely to try to create a cult following around themselves because they desire that love they desire that attention they desire that like validation it's the same sort of thing where like you know if you think about somebody who grows up in hollywood and you think about oh this person wants to be an actor do they want to be an actor because they love acting or do they want to be an actor because they want to be a celebrity and they want to go on talk shows and they want everybody to tell them how great they are and give them awards all the time like there's this this is the thing I, I want to hook into for a second because, like, I don't think that like being spiritualist makes you a narcissist. I mean, for for instance, I'm a spiritualist. I'm an actor. I don't do it because I want a bunch of attention. I do it because I love acting. And spiritualism that comes from beliefs that I've kind of formulated over many years, and like I still kind of keep my mind open. Like, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I'll say one thing buddy like this is this is the but like you know what i'm talking about and that like well it, you, I, I mean you're not wrong in the sense that there are people out there that think that way sure and they will try to like tell you oh well, no you're you're wrong what i believe is the only way and this is how things are and it's like well that's not true like you know you you're not out here trying to tell people oh here's how you be spiritually enlightened right. yeah i'm just trying to like i mean you have a you're an actor with a podcast which is red flag no i'm joking but uh, <laughs> why 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 is it red flag well like you, you know that there there are some people who like i mean you're into acting i'm sure you're into acting though because you like you love perform what you like performing you yeah. like you know, the the roles of different characters and having like that's really cool i mean i'm a musician i definitely know people who are like i want to be a musician because i want people to cheer for me I don't understand that. I get, I get, I get the like the logic behind it, but I, I don't understand the whole "please notice me, notice me, notice me" thing. Like, I don't get that. Either that, or it's people who, you know, some. I, I don't want to psychoanalyze everybody, but like some <laughs> you know, musicians, you know, they grow up being like, "Oh, music's the only thing I'm good at. Music's the only thing I've ever gotten praise for doing. Music is something I connect to, and like that Ooh. can be good." It's also like, I mean, there's some people, not everybody. I, th I think I think it really depends. I mean, what you're basically sort of breaking down there is having a healthy relationship with said thing. Yeah, and like that's that's also the is that like if you have a healthy relationship with your spirituality, if you have a healthy relationship with, um, you know, even like your profession, and you're not out here trying to be like I should be a model for everybody else. It's the same sort of thing with all of these like. Uh, like we were talking about the relationship influencers you're like my relationship is so good that i need to tell everybody else how to have a good relationship it's the same thing with your spirituality you're like 
or you're not i'm i'm not, I'm not using you as in the like the the royal that's you. fine no it's it's I, I can take it like at the end of the day like there's nothing wrong with being told like you're wrong or that like what you believe isn't what i believe like except do you know what I mean? like i, I don't <laughs> beliefs are exactly that it's what a person believes it doesn't make it fact it doesn't make it like like oh well i believe this therefore you have to believe this or if you don't believe this we can't be friends like i think that's a crock of shit like so long as the things you believe don't like hurt other people like believe whatever the fuck you want like you know <laughs> that's true though but like the the fund like fund christian fundamentalists especially will say if you don't believe the same things as me or if you aren't willing to like there's the the separation in that you separate yourself from people who are not who don't believe the same things as you and then there's the secondary separation where you separate yourself from the people who not just people not just separating yourself from the world you're separating yourself from people who don't separate themselves from everyone else it's just it's just it's just i really feel for people that are in this like that you're constantly told like you can't be around these people can't be around these people can't be around these people it's like where's the room to live (laughs) the thing is political ideologies can get into this as well sure I don't want to. I don't want to go into that because, quite honestly, like I mean, during the pandemic, I also had a side gig where I was editing podcasts, and I had to make a rule that said no political podcasts. If you're a political podcast, I won't edit your podcast because it was just so insufferable. But um, I, I, I def- get it. I mean, like I, with my show, my rule has always been this: I, I'm, I will have religious guests on i'll have political i've had it before but I, it's not going to be like a i'm not going to try and promote that specific thing if that makes sense so like for instance i remember i had one religious person on my show who i was like look i don't really do religion and politics and he said well we can explore my stories like what i believe etc and i'm like all right, maybe I'm being wrong in discounting this guy. Like, you know, maybe, you know, it's, it's wrong with me. Maybe I need to learn the lesson here. So I had him on the show. And to be honest, I had to cut a lot out of the show. And there was a lot that was good and and was about him or his belief systems. And, and that was fine. But there was plenty of stuff that I had to cut out because it was just too much like a sermon. It was just too preachy. And look, there's nothing wrong with having those beliefs. But um, my platform is not to like, sit and and prom- like my show has always been more about like trying to approach things almost like from a scientific perspective i like heroes of mine like let's say louis through like you know i'm exploring it i'm like with me and cults like i'm i'm not just gonna sit here and giggle and laugh at it i'll i'll give my opinion on things but fundamentally i'm presenting something like this show is all about understanding cults because you're a man who spends a lot of his time like researching conducting interviews delving into this so we can like delve in that together and explore it and give people like a a good kind of breakdown of cults so like let's say you know very little about cults you can watch this show and be like you know what now i've got a clearer understanding of like at least the principles of it and like what to look out for and hey maybe even what to avoid in some cases yeah i mean the the thing that i would say i i don't want to I, I like the thing is I just didn't want to I don't want to get into the political ideologies thing because I don't want to I I don't know what your listener base is like and I don't know if they 
I, I, I don't want to maybe specifically call some people out because then that's going to get in. That's also going to get me in trouble. I'm just going to avoid that. Sure. Um, okay. Um, I, I would just encourage, you know, people, if you're listening to this, if you're interested in learning more about, I really would just say, go and look up the bite model from Stephen Hassan. Um, and apply that to not just like your religious beliefs, uh, like try to take a real look at it with regards to uh, maybe a political ideology that you follow or maybe a, um, or, or maybe just like a life coaching or spirituality or even just like mindset ideology that you follow and see if that could be having like a cult control level over your life i mean there doesn't necessarily need to be like a leader for a cult there doesn't necessarily need to be like a leader for a movement or somebody who you all act as devotees towards but like there definitely are levels of coercive control that can occur when without somebody enacting them on you it could be something that you research and that you find for yourself like there is a, one example that i want to that i could give is also i want i think that like manosphere influencers hmm. incel type thinking is absolutely i would say an example of cult control that people have where it's the other side of the coin where people like you, we were talking about abusive relationships where people are saying my desire to be in a relationship is the one and only thing yeah. is the, or is the most important thing to my life. And that's where I get my validation from. And so that might be the kind of thing that would keep you in a relationship that you otherwise not might not be in but also if you're the kind of person that thinks oh well my worth as a person depends on my ability to either be in a relationship or attract women to me and that's where my worth as a person comes from and that's the lens through which i'm viewing everything that i do then that's also a method of cult control over somebody. So if you're like obsessing over that and then, you know, you don't have that, then that can be so damaging that you might resort to some drastic measures or you might, you know, do some truly heinous acts or believe some truly heinous things about women, about, you know, the world, about the way that like the world is going away from you. And if, xyz political thing were to happen then that would reprioritize people who are like you and you would be attractive again it's it's very much in that sort of sense of things as well um so don't just try to like apply the bite model to your religious beliefs also just look at it in the way that you view society in the way that you use you know that you look at like politics or the way that you look at like relationships because it's applicable everywhere um and it's a, a, a like a good tool to use when you're trying to figure out the boundaries that you need to set with other people and the boundaries that you need to set with something that you could be a part of. Couldn't agree more. I mean, there's like music fandoms or something that I think could it's like in some ways be a cult. Um, 
fans of certain bands if they take it too far fans of of certain well know. do you know what that right there is a solid point just fandoms in general yeah i, f- I feel that's very cult like um in some respects like don't get me wrong there's nothing wrong with being a fan of something or being really passionate about something but do you know what a clue is in the name as well fan fanatic yeah. you know it's fan now can be a healthy thing but originally it didn't come from a healthy place like being fanatical about something being obsessed with something is something you really need to be careful with because it can lead to something negative it can lead to negative inappropriate behaviors obviously and it's I don't know. Sometimes I see some of the stuff like people fighting people in fandoms and stuff or going crazy with their beliefs of like trying to defend something. And it's like, you just need to like, chill out and just enjoy your the thing that you enjoy. You don't need to fight people over it. Like, I never understand that. So like bad people or people that do bad things can make content that we find compelling. Just accept accepting that is, 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 part of life if you you know if you like something so much that you're not willing to accept that the person that made it because you emotionally identify with the work and you emotionally identify with the person that made that piece of content that's not a you know that's fair but also like that doesn't mean that person can do no wrong yeah I, I'm in the camp of like, I find it difficult to support that person anymore. Like, and it's not really not- that like, I even what I'm doing is actively trying to support them. It's just that like, I, ca- I just can't listen to them anymore. Like if, if it's a musician who's, I found out it's a terrible person or an actor or like, I like wrestling for instance. And there's been like professional wrestlers over the years that have done that, you know, like big one, Chris Benoit. Um, we all know the story there for those who don't know, um a uh, professional wrestler very successful top of top of the game for many years unfortunately in in 07 he tragically um killed himself his wife and his child and it's speculated over the years the motivations behind that was it was it you know did someone come in and do that was it purely him was it because of his cte was it because of drugs etc 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 but the thing that i hear that's very interesting is the split on whether or not people can go back and like watch his matches and enjoy them like they did before it's the classic thing of can you support the artist uh, oh sorry separate your um the art from the artist and i i'm in the camp of i can't but i don't hold it against people that can i think like fair play if that works for you i just can't i feel like Whenever I see that man, I just see the terrible person he became and not the wrestler and the legacy that he had. Yeah, I mean, but it also just goes to like, I, everybody likes to, you know, say, oh, I, 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 I can't, I can't watch it anymore. But then it, there are always so, some people who like, they're so iconic that people are just like, okay, well, you know, they get a pass. Like, um, like I mean, like Led Zeppelin, man. I yeah. can't like you can't stop listening to Led Zeppelin, even though like I mean, Jimmy Page had a thirteen-year-old girlfriend. Jesus, I didn't know that. That's yeah. terrible. I mean, like lots of. I mean, back in the seventies, man, like that was everywhere. But like, am I going to stop listening to Zeppelin now? No, I can't stop. The, the music's too good. It's too good. 
Like, and, and this is kind of like one of the things where like people always debate, you know, is Michael Jackson guilty? Is Michael Jackson not guilty? Mm. And I don't know if it's like as much of a, you know, whether people are, are that absurd, uh, upset about it anymore. I mean, you know, the crazy thing with that though, you mentioned like iconic so big that you, that they get a pass. Like, let's say it was proven 100% definite that it was the case that he had committed those crimes, right? I think there'd still be a lot of people that would still support his stuff. And as you say, try and explain it away because he reached a level of success that's like beyond the normal level of success. It's like iconic. It's like you could try and delete him from history, but it'd be impossible. Like they tried to do it with the rest of Chris Benoit and it's like, they've done a fairly good job of, of sort of hiding him in a sense, but like there's key moments that you can't hide. Like um, for those who don't know about wrestling, um, there's an event every year called WrestleMania, which is, I guess like the Super Bowl of professional wrestling on the 20th and on the 20th show, WrestleMania 20, this guy, Chris Benoit was in the main event. The, the like the show ends with him and another legendary wrestler uh eddie guerrero holding hands embracing each other like hugging each other like best friends like it was real and that's forever tarnished like they like the company never promotes that and i understand even though it's the fairy tale ending it's like they can't promote it because of what this guy did and it's like ah like but people are still into it people still support it and i, I get that like i don't think you can just you can't take it out of history. You, you know, you can you can make a decision not to promote said thing, and I agree with that. But like, you can't delete it. You can't pretend it didn't happen. I mean, I'm I'm Jewish, but I still listen to old Kanye. Oh, <laughs> uh. You know, I mean, but here's if is so if Taylor Swift um, shot somebody, if Taylor <laughs> straight up murdered somebody, you think the Swifties would still be like, okay, well, I want to know the context behind. There's Why always going to, I mean, I think this is a very key point. There's always going to be a subset of people yeah. that will that will defend something and defend it blindly. I mean, like, taking the Kanye thing as an example, um, I mean, I will say, like, I don't agree with anything he said on that. I think it's abhorrent. Yeah. But that is a man who's clearly very ill, unwell, and not in a good headspace. I don't think that by any means is an excuse. But at the same time, like, I wouldn't platform someone who is in that like he needs help he needs professional help he needs to be supported he needs to like yeah I don't I don't believe that he truly believes the things that come out of his mouth I think he's just like so in that bubble of just like and so many of them are in that crazy Hollywood bubble where they're all just like not thinking clearly well, I think well, I don't that know. I believe that stuff I think he does believe the world's out to get him well, that's really terrible yeah. if he does believe that. I mean, also, I I think that it like because when you look at him, I think, and you look at his behavior, especially towards women, okay. um, yeah, towards like the there was the whole like he was stalking his ex wife Kim Kardashian, right. um, and and you know all of his you know bad think whatever you want to think about her but all of the bad behavior that he had towards her when they were getting divorced and then the way that you know he had this other relationship after her um with this woman bianca who was very much 
kept under a tight level of control and, you know, not allowed to speak to outside people and isolated from her friends, from her family. Um, in a very cult like, as you were saying at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Relationships absolutely can, you know, be culty. Um, and, and uh, abusive relationships are, I would classify them as like a one-on-one cult. This is somebody who believes that, you know, who has these beliefs that he is better than everybody and that anything that goes against him is a conspiracy against everybody else because he has this sort of narcissistic and abusive tendency. Right. With that's what I was going to say. Is it, it speaks to, like, that's the classic narcissist, isn't it, that believes they're better than everyone and... But, yeah, you know, the- that sort of the thing is that like whether or not he you know he needs help or whatever there there it gets to a point where there's stop there's no excuses anymore and you can't make excuses for things that people do anymore and so it doesn't matter to me whether he believes it or whether he's unwell or whether he's needed help or this or that because he yes to been- be to be clear i don't you, like think that's ever an excuse guys to be very clear with that <laughs> just so we're clear um, I just wanted to kind of mention that because I think that like sometimes that gets glossed over and I, I think that you know I mean I don't know like a person's belief systems ultimately it comes from it comes from who they are and what they believe in their core and then it also comes down to like who they're surrounded by as well I think like going back to you know Sadie and her experiences I imagine that she had a lot of beliefs that she had to sort of remove over time that were difficult to dispel to remove because as you know she'd been indoctrinated she'd been around said people for so long that that becomes your reality you know she learned in school that the Loch Ness monster is real and that it's a surviving dinosaur from and the fact that the Loch Ness monster is real is proof that the flood of Noah actually happened in real life uh, because it's a because basically dinosaurs lived before the flood of Noah, and when the flood happened, all the dinosaurs died uh, because I guess they couldn't get them on the ark. The ark wasn't big enough, or whatever. Um, and the uh, the dinosaur, the, the the Loch Ness monster, is a dinosaur that survived the flood of Noah, and scientists are keeping that fact from the general public because they don't want people because they want people to believe in evolution and if evolution becomes the belief that everybody has then the devil wins and they're influenced by the devil to try to keep people from getting saved by jesus she was literally taught that in school and and in her christian fundamentalist uh um school uh that she grew up in Let's uh, switch things up. I've got a couple of final questions for you to sort of draw things to a close for today. Completely unrelated to cults, so it'd be a little bit of breath of fresh air for us, <laughs> for us both. Um, because the, I don't know, I, I find cults. I love this topic, but it is heavy. It, it does weigh on you quite a lot after a while. I think, and I remember thinking that when I was watching the Twin Flames documentary i was just like kind of really sad and empty afterwards just i felt really bad for all these people to be honest that's the thing like on the show that i do with sadie we don't go into details about the abuses that people suffered no of course not we we just don't talk about that but like that doesn't mean that i don't read about it so it's 
like i mean i i do spend a decent amount of time reading about pretty horrible sexual abuse that people went through when they're either you know a lot of them were children some of them were adults and that's not excellent um and i don't enjoy that so i tend to try to not consume cult content when i'm outside of the out of work i've kind of set that boundary for myself so it's important yeah i i have to do the same like i I have to pull myself away from things because it's like it can affect you like in a big way in a, in a profound way and i think we we have to do what we can to protect ourselves like for instance i know that there's a lot of people that are obsessed with true crime and i don't think that having an interest in true crime or enjoying true crime is is necessarily a bad thing but i do think you have to kind of consider the fact that if you're consuming this content over and over again constantly like remember that it's negative content and you, you know you need to do what you can to just consume positive stuff you know like you have that coming in <laughs> as well can if done in the wrong way be a bit exploitative as well and you got like if you're making that kind of content i mean some people are better about the way that they go about it than others Mm. um that's kind of been i i try not to listen to a lot of true crime stuff just because of the it's just because it doesn't necessarily have the best effect on me personally i know what you mean as well like certain hosts sometimes Almost feels, like, like, feels, feels like you're getting a bit of a kick out of it and i'm like you do realize these are real people that are going through like these horrible horrible things like it's not a joke buddy like you know some people like if you make that content enough you can kind of get desensitized to it so that's another reason why i don't like because i wasn't raised in this so i didn't live and breathe this for 20 years or 25 years growing up like other people did so anyway i welcome your non-cult related questions yes let's do it What's the best advice you've ever received? Best advice I've ever received. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, Best advice I've ever received. Hmm. What resonates with you let, let, let me i'm trying to think of something that i use in my daily life could be something from childhood maybe something your parents or a family friend something told someone told you that stuck with you best advice i've ever received is hmm Oh, I know what it is, is that if you're frying an egg and you brown the butter before you put the egg in the uh, in, in the skillet, then it tastes better. Hmm. Yeah. There you go. Some solid cooking advice there, guys. Brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. That every day of my life. What's the biggest life lesson you've learned so far? Biggest life lesson I've learned so far is... I know that you just kind of have to let people make their own choices. Powerful, particularly within the context of of what we've sort of discussed here today. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's okay to make mistakes. That's part of life. But we have to be free to make those mistakes. And it can't be like people telling us what we should and shouldn't be doing. We need to figure that out for ourselves. Final question for you. 
Do you have any upcoming projects or final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, well, as always, you can check out the Leaving Eden podcast. Um, we uh, we have like I want to say 160 episodes out that you can go back and listen to. There so, if you want to, if you want a new podcast to listen to about cults, um, then you can go and check that out. I think episode 57 is like an episode that we made specifically for new listeners. So if you go back to episode 57, that you can check that out, and you'll be. Uh, and, and we'll kind of introduce a lot of the basic terms to you. Um, that's the main thing that I have to promote. That's not, I'm, I'm not really working on very much other than that. Um, I, there's some shows that I edit and there's some shows that I produce, but none of those are shows that I'm on. So I'm not really going to promote those and they're not really relevant to this conversation. No worries. Well, um, Listen, I just want to say a massive thank you. Uh, we've been chatting for a long time. I'm very conscious of your time. Thank you so much for a fantastic conversation. I really, really appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. I had a good time. It was a good conversation, a lot of fun. I'm glad to hear it, man. That's the main thing. That's the main thing. And everybody, make sure you go out of your way to check out that show, the Leave It Eden podcast. I think the work that Gabriel and Sadie is, are doing is absolutely fantastic. And yet again, another show that you won't want to miss so go check that out and uh, thank you very much for listening to the show as always be safe be well thank you so much for listening i'll see you in the next one thank you so much for listening to this episode of the christian reeve podcast if you enjoyed the show please leave us a review on podchaser spotify apple podcasts google podcasts wherever you listen to the show if it's on youtube please subscribe like share comment all of that jazz it really, really helps us out in the algorithms as far as pushing the show and getting this show out there to more people. So thank you so much for your support. And also, if you'd like to get yourself some bonus content and support me in the process, go to patreon.com slash Christian Reeve. Thank you so much. I'll see you in the next one.